Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 14th of August, 2020. When you look out at the world right now, what is it that you feel? Does looking out at the world make you feel happy, joyful, or does it make you feel frustrated? Does it make you feel concerned? When you think about the future, do you think things are going to get better or do you think things are going to get worse? What if I told you that if we're thinking from a biblical perspective, our outlook on the world should be one of joy and even our disposition toward the future should be one of confidence? Well, really, it's going to be shaped by our perspective. And really, it's going to come down to, are we looking out at the world or are we looking up at the one who is ruling over the world? And that's what we're going to see in Psalm 96, 7 through 13. So we finish up this Psalm today, Psalm 96, the second half of the Psalm. And I want to pick it up there in verse 10, where again, we shouldn't just be looking out at the world. We should be looking up. And that's what we see. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So there it tells us what's really going on, that the Lord reigns. And even though the world may seem shaky right now in 2020, the world is established and it shall never be moved. And our outlook towards the future, yes, in the short term, things may get worse. But in the long term, we know Jesus is coming back. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. And that should give joy to our outlook as we think about life, as we think about our world. And even as we look towards November and we think, What's going to happen in this election? What we need to remind ourselves, the Lord reigns and he will judge the world in righteousness. It, It ultimately doesn't matter who's in the White House when God is on the throne. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about things that are going on in the world or care about who gets elected, whether it's a a local election or a national election. But we should always remember, even above and beyond all of that, God is on the throne. And even before we talk about Nehemiah today, think of what we've read in Ezra and Nehemiah and all the times we see God clearly influencing the heart of a king many times even godless kings, but we see God firmly in control. God is on the throne. And for Christians, we know how the story ends. It ends with Jesus reigning on this earth. And that's something that we 
will look forward to and ultimately Jesus making a new earth where righteousness will dwell and everything will be perfect and right. This is our outlook as a Christian. So I want to encourage you today, don't just look out at the world. Look up at the one who is reigning over the world. Remember that he is in control even now and Jesus is coming back and he will reign on this earth. So in the meantime, let us worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Let's not just look out today. Let's look up. Let's move on to another passage, 1 Thessalonians 1 and the whole chapter today. And if you remember back to going through 1 and 2 Corinthians together, we kind of talked about that was in many ways the problem church for the Apostle Paul. They, they were constantly kind of getting in trouble, doing things that he had to correct them on. As we read now First and Second Thessalonians, we're going to read much more positive letters where Paul has clearly a better interaction with this church and this church seems to be doing well, doing strong. And, and so we start this book that Paul is writing to this relatively young church And he says in verse two, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I really want to highlight that initial phrase as he's giving thanks, things are going well with this church. And we see this trio of words that are fairly common in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, but faith, hope, and love, right? We think of the end of 1 Corinthians 13, now remain these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. But here, what we see, every one of those very familiar words is paired with another word. And what I want you to do today is think about those other words. So we see not just faith, hope, and love, we see your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. Think about those words that are paired together. First, work of faith. And those are words that in some ways we don't want to put them together when it comes to how does somebody become a Christian? No, it is by faith, not by works. But the Bible is crystal clear in the long run, those two words very much go together. Because faith without works is dead. Faith should produce works. When we really believe God, it will inevitably show itself in our lives. So the question we have to ask is, do our works show faith? And what we want to ask is not just, do my works show that I trust Christ as my Savior? But do they really show that I'm walking in faith, that I have the kind of ambitious faith even that we see in places like Hebrews chapter 11, where it tells us about the things that people have done by faith. And even where it tells us that without faith, is it impossible to please God for whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That faith, because we believe, no, if I seek God, God honors that and God rewards that. Therefore, I'm going to seek him. It's going to produce works in my life, your work of faith. And then the next we see, and labor of love, labor of love. 
that if we really love others, it's going to lead to labor. And even you think of that term labor, where, where do we use that word most in our context today? Many times it's for a mom having a baby. And you think of that as a picture of a labor of love. That's a lot of work, intense for the mother, but it is so worth it for the result of having that child. Or even I'm in the stage of parenting with rather young children, and you you think of that as a labor of love. It is a very intensive process of parenting a two-year-old child, and they're not fully responsible or appreciative of everything that you're doing for them at that point, but you work hard for them because you love this little precious life. Well, we need to think of that when it comes not just to having a baby or having children and raising them. That's how God would want us to think about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we expect fellowship in Christ at our churches just to be this easy thing where we find people that, hey, we really get along with them. Hey, that's great when it happens. But if there's nothing in our lives that we're saying, man, this is a labor of love, that I care about these people so much that I'm willing to work and sacrifice and labor for them. That's the way we need to think. And finally, the last pair of words and steadfastness of hope, right? That our hope, even that we talked about in the future, that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to reign, it should lead to a steadfastness. And even you see in that, that first part of that word stead, we think of the word we have steady, right? Something that's steady, something that's stable, something that's not all over the place. And that's a good word for us again right now in a very tumultuous time, a time that can be very frustrating, that there should be a steadiness that comes to us because of the hope that we have ultimately in heaven and ultimately in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we start 1 Thessalonians, that's really what I'd love to draw out for you today from that first chapter, your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope, and that you would think about these things. Well, today in the gospel of Luke, we see some very harsh words from our savior, Jesus Christ, as he rebukes the Pharisees and the lawyers, and he calls them out for their hypocrisy. In verse 42, we're looking at verses 37 to the end of the chapter today. And in verse 42, he says, but woe to you Pharisees for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Right. And we know that was a practice for the Jewish people under the law of Moses to tithe, to give a 10th of what they had to the Lord. And, you know, picture your in your pantry or wherever at your home, you know, you've got all your spices that you use for cooking. Well, imagine, you know, getting those spices from the grocery store and then opening it up, you know, pouring it all out there on your counter, dividing it evenly into 10 parts and, you know, carving off one tenth of that into a baggie. And well, I'm going to bring this to church on Sunday. I mean, imagine being that meticulous about giving, right? And Jesus is saying, you're so meticulous about these little things. And he doesn't even actually rebuke them for that. But he's saying, you're focusing on these little things and you're missing the big things of justice and the love of God. And that's where we need to be reminded that being a Christian isn't just about these external rituals. It's about truly honoring God, right? You can show up to church dressed perfectly and with your with your church face on and you can you know you can write that check and and give a tenth of what you're making to the lord this sunday at church 
But if you're doing that and then you're going home and yelling at your kids and watching pornography and all these different things, well, you're missing the point. And you're focusing on these external, even showy things and neglecting what's hidden and real in your lives. And we need to be challenged whenever we look at the Pharisees, it's easy for us to be all those bad Pharisees. That's the first step to being a Pharisee is looking down on others instead of examining ourselves. So when we read about the Pharisees, let's not just silly, silly Pharisees. Let's examine ourselves because none of us are beyond hypocrisy. And so we want to think about that, examine ourselves, and prayerfully uh, make sure that we are not just washing the outside of the dish when there's dirt on the inside. Finally, we wrap up the book of Nehemiah today. Nehemiah, we're going to read chapters 11 through 13. Chapters 11 and 12 kind of give us more details of what's going on. We see they've rebuilt Jerusalem, and now they're encouraging people to come back and live in Jerusalem in chapter 11. They dedicate the wall, um, and it's kind of this big ceremony and celebration in chapter 12. And then in chapter 13, we see Nehemiah making some final reforms. Even it's clear he goes back to uh, Babylonia. He goes back there and then he comes back to Jerusalem and he already sees there's some problems and he steps in and helps fix them. That uh, some things where they were marrying people they weren't supposed to marry, that some of the people who had opposed what was going on were now being welcomed and even giving given special space in the temple. And he corrects that. He sees that they're not keeping the Sabbath and he corrects that. But one thing we notice even early on in this book was that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And you catch that even all the way to the end of the book. You you see that even as he's writing, as he is writing this, this record, even in the writing, he's throwing in little prayers. Like verse 14, when he talks about, you know, how he had confronted these officials, he says, remember me, O my God, concerning this and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of God and for his service. At the end of verse 22, remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. And even the last phrase in the book is remember me, O my God, for good. So as you're out working today, serving the Lord, let's be prayerful like Nehemiah. And maybe that's another way to get ourselves to not just look out, but look up at the one who is reigning over all things yesterday, today, and forever. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.